Thank you, Noah. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Pro Bono Month, and welcome to today's webinar, The Value of Volunteering to Help Our Military Veterans. I want to thank the Boston Bar Association, Veterans Legal Services, and our panelists for making this event possible, and extend my appreciation to all of you for joining us as we talk about ways in which we can support our veterans. My name is Anisha Worrell, and I am pleased to serve as your moderator for this afternoon's panel discussion. To share a little bit about myself, I am an attorney of the Benefits Consulting Group of Ropes and Gray. I assist clients with drafting and designing employee benefit plans and also advise clients on compliance with laws governing a range of employee benefits. Clients that I've worked with include healthcare organizations, colleges and universities, and other nonprofit and for-profit institutions. The work that VLS does is near and dear to me because I have family members who have served or currently serve in the military. And today I am here as a proud member of the Veterans Legal Services Board of Directors. Today's webinar is a celebration of the hard work, talent, and impact of our pro bono stars in the Boston Bar Association community and beyond. It's also an opportunity to learn more about Veterans Legal Services and how you can get involved in paying our veterans service forward. For hundreds of veterans here in Massachusetts, legal aid is a catalyst for stability. Legal services rank among veterans top three on met needs. Legal assistance is key to veterans securing housing, accessing benefits, realizing their full economic potential, and facilitating their holistic well-being. Veterans Legal Services is a 501c3 nonprofit legal aid organization based in Boston, whose mission is to help Massachusetts veterans overcome adversity by providing free civil legal aid that honors their services, promotes well-being, and responds to their distinctive needs. Founded over 30 years ago by a group of students at Boston College Law School, VLS now serves over 700 economically disadvantaged veterans in Massachusetts per year. While VLS is a general practice firm, it specializes in housing stability, discharge upgrades, benefits access, family law matters, and consumer debt financial and, and financial issues. VLS's 255-member network of private practice pro bono attorneys provides critical capacity allowing VLS to provide legal representation to a greater number of veterans than it would be able to otherwise. But the need is far greater than the number of our current volunteers. VLS is currently implementing a strategic plan that aims to double the organization's impact over five years. And it needs the support of the community to do so. You can learn more about VLS's strategic vision at its website, veteranslegalservices.org. And I would be remiss in my duties as a board member if I didn't ask you to also consider making a financial donation or contribution. Thanks to the generosity of an anonymous Vietnam War veteran, Vilas currently has a match challenge underway. The first 150,000 of donations from new donors that Vilas receives will be matched three to one, up to $50,000. Donation may be made on the Vilas website which you can find, we'll put that in the chat so that you can um, go there easily. And now without further ado, I'm excited to introduce our three panelists who will be answering participant questions at the end. And feel free if you have any questions for our panelists, please type them in the Q&A function as Noah mentioned earlier. 
and between Noah and myself, we'll make sure that we get to your questions. Um, I'm gonna, I have, I have a brief intro for each of our panelists and I'm just gonna take a minute to read each panelist's um, brief bio. Angie Vargas Martin directs Felix's pro bono program. She has practiced public interest law and advocated for the rights of individuals and underserved populations since 2008. Angie worked as a staff attorney at the Clubhouse Family Legal Support Project of the Mental Health Legal Advisors Committee and at the Disability Law Center. She spent almost nine years at DLC advocating for individuals with mental, physical, and intellectual disabilities in cases involving abuse, neglect, human rights, housing, and employment discrimination. Angie received her BA from Stonehill College and her JD from Northeastern University School of Law. Welcome, Angie. Jared Spinelli is a member of Rubin and Rudman's Family Law Department and one of the firm's partners, concentrating his practice on all aspects of complex domestic relations law, including divorce, child custody, child support, alimony, paternity, asset valuation, and asset division, as well as modification and contempt actions. In addition to his work at the trial court level, Jared is experienced in drafting appellate briefs and has argued before the Massachusetts Appeals Court. His practice also includes representing clients in Chapter 209A, abuse prevention, and Chapter 258E, harassment prevention proceedings in both the probate and family court, as well as the district court. Jared has been an invited speaker at the Massachusetts Bar Association's annual family law conference on the topic of evidentiary issues in extreme family law cases and a speaker at MCLE New England on the topic of discovery in family law cases. He is in his third year sitting on the Boston Bar Association Family Law Steering Committee. Outside of the office, Jared is involved in many Boston-based organizations and volunteers his time on pro bono cases through VLS. Thank you for joining us today, Jared. Stephanie Chesney is a partner at MGM, the law firm, an experienced litigator with significant experience defending a wide variety of civil cases from pre-suit through trial. Stephanie's experience includes representing clients in a variety of business and commercial litigation matters, including employment matters, general liability, education, transportation, product liability, construction, and premise liability. Stephanie also handles professional liability matters in the defense of healthcare providers and institutions. She has extensive courtroom experience defending claims in the state and federal courts of Massachusetts and Maine. Stephanie has additional experience providing risk transfer and tender advice to clients, as well as advice regarding risk mitigation strategies. Prior to joining MGM, Stephanie practiced with a number of regional law firms, where she specialized in a variety of complex litigation matters, primarily related to professional liability and the defense of healthcare providers. She was recognized as a Massachusetts Super Lawyers Rising Star from 2012 to 2018 and 2020 to 2021, as well as a rising star by the National Bar Journal in 2015. In addition, Stephanie was an adjunct professor at New England Law Boston from 2011 to 2019, where she enjoyed teaching first-year law students legal research and writing. 
Stephanie, we're so glad to have you here with us today. So why don't we get started? Um, we'll start off with Angie. Angie, can you tell us a bit about VLS's pro bono program, how it's structured, the type of cases that often that you see, and the type of cases that a volunteer can expect to work on and how an interested attorney or firm can get involved? Yes, uh, thank you so much, Anisha. Um, thank you for those um, very complimentary uh, bios. Um, so the pro bono program at VLS runs um, possibly a little bit different than other uh, similar organizations or bigger organizations, and it's very personalized. Um, just to get to give you a little bit of background as to how we get our cases first, um, for the most part, VLS staff attorneys meet um, with veterans um, or, or get cases referred uh, from a variety of different partner sites. Uh, such as VA hospitals or the New England Center and Home for Veterans in downtown Boston. And at these locations, we'll meet with veterans who are looking for legal assistance and um, we'll make sure that they're eligible. In order to be eligible, they have to be Massachusetts residents, they have to be veterans, um, and they have to um, meet a certain financial eligibility criteria. It's not as strict as uh, some other organizations perhaps, but it is still a requirement and um, we have to stick to it based on um, our funding and all that jazz. So um, we'll, do, we'll do eligibility screenings. We then do intakes if they're eligible. And the most common types of cases uh, for uh, the economically disadvantaged veterans that we meet are housing, as you mentioned, um, family law related debt, consumer debt most, mostly um, benefits, whether it be state or federal or veterans specific benefits. And then you mentioned one uh, during your intro, discharge upgrade matters. That is a ver uh, veteran specific type of matter that we see. And it has to do with the, um, the discharge status with which a veteran uh, leaves the military. Uh, so it can be honorable it can be general under honorable conditions, or it can be unspecified, uh, it can be dishonorable. There's a variety of them. And um, oftentimes when veterans have anything that is not just honorable on their, on their military forms, they might face difficulty uh, accessing certain types of benefits. So they will seek uh, a discharge upgrade and they'll come to us and we'll um, review um, the merit of, of that potential claim and go from there. So that's what discharge upgrades are. Um, so after intakes and uh, speaking with the clients, our staff attorneys will determine whether they can take the case and keep it in-house. We have three full-time staff attorneys uh, and sometimes I take cases, so I'm like a partial other one. Um, but then any, any other type of case, any other case that, that our attorneys believe is um, one that really where the client really needs an attorney, really needs representation, and we just cannot take it, we don't have the capacity or the bandwidth, um, they get recommended to me for potential pro bono assignment. And at that point, I start sort of searching in my brain archives and in our database for uh, our pro bono attorneys that do the specific type of work or that might be willing to take 
cases in that area of law. And then I just uh, go from there. So, so that I don't just keep on going and tell you like every single detail about uh, the way the program works. There is differences. Uh, there are differences in the way that I might uh, reach out to a potential pro bono attorney to have them take a case. So uh, we have attorneys that work through us, um, that work with us that are solo practitioners or that might be in-house counsel. Um, they might come to, to me directly and I might onboard them into the program and then wait until I can give them a case. Then there are uh, law firm partners of ours. So law firms that have committed to working with us and uh, that have me uh, connect with a primary contact there that might be a pro bono counsel. Um, for those law firms, I might reach out to the pro bono counsel directly and say, I have this case or that case. This is uh, a summary and apologies if you can hear an ambulance. I don't know if you can, but mm -hmm. I'm in Boston. Um, so, you know, in those cases, uh, the, the pro bono counsel will let me know if they have attorneys available that might be able to take the case. And then there are other attorneys who might also be at law firms, but who are able to um, connect directly with me and I can reach out to them. Um, it's how I do it with, with Jared and Stephanie, actually. I reach out to them directly um, and I kind of pitch them the case and see if they have capacity to take it on or if they know somebody that might and then we'll connect that way. And then we might talk a little bit more about the details after that, but usually we do stay involved. Uh, VLS remains involved in the case. The client is still our client as well. And um, through the pendency of the case, we, we cover our pro bono attorneys with our professional liability insurance. And um, we connect as a liaison between the client and the attorney if there's any issues, questions, misunderstandings. Um, and then I get notified updates throughout and then at the end as well um, so that I can close it out on our end as well. Sounds great, Angie. Thank you so much for that um, introduction. We can hear your passion as you talk about um, this work. So thank you so much. Um, so let's hear from our pro bono attorneys that are on the panel today, Jared and Stephanie. We're going to start with Jared. Um, Jared, could you share with our participants what motivated you to want to get involved with the VLS? through Pro Bono Legal Services. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I'll reveal my age here. I was just about getting out of high school when 9-11 happened. Um, and so that was sort of the turning point for me in my life as it pertains to really, I mean, at the time, there wasn't a lot of going on, militarily speaking, in, the, in, in our country at least. But um, following 9-11, uh, two of my close classmates, uh, instead of going to college, uh, en enlisted in the Marines. And while we were going off to college, they went down to Paris Island. Uh, and I stayed in touch with them and they went on to do their tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. And um, I always felt like, uh, I, the joke is, I, I mean, I, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to go to law school. I wouldn't have been very helpful on the front lines uh, physically. So, but I wanted to do something. Um, and I always wanted to be able to give back in a different way. Um, and once I passed the bar and was able to practice law, I realized, you know, the light bulb went off in my head that there is a way I could help give back in that different way, use what is, I guess, my strength, which is practicing law uh, in a helpful way. And that would be in, by assisting so many veterans and active service members in need. And I, 
it's a blessing, but I stumbled upon VLS. Um, hadn't really known about it until I did stumble upon it. And uh, I'm thankful for that um, when I realized that I could um, put my specialty, uh, which is family law and divorce law and all those fun things that come under that umbrella, uh, put that to use to assist those folks in need. And like Angie said, uh, family law is one of those areas, unfortunately, where there is a tremendous amount of need for not only veterans, but active service members, just by the nature of you know them leaving can um, harm things at home, not being around the kids, not being around their spouses, and then getting back from tours um, and how those tours maybe affected them from a mental health standpoint, um, that can also do uh, damage on, on a lot of people's families. And it's very sad, but they, as an end result, there are a, a litany of cases that involve child custody, um, just uh, divorce, paternity actions, if they were never wed, um, child support, if they're down on their luck and they can't um, pay child support and all of a sudden their ex-spouse is suing them for back child support. So it just became a big thing. And because that's my area, it's it's a really good match because I am happy, more than happy to to dedicate a lot of my time to those folks. Um, so now it sort of came full circle and it's been a blessing. Great. So, sounds great. Thank you so much for sharing that um, poignant and inspiring um, story. As a follow-up question for you, what types of cases have you specifically taken from the VLS and how do they relate to your current practice? You may have already partially answered this. Yeah. Yeah, so family law is one of those areas that you know it when you see it. Uh, so family law is major, mostly speaking divorce, but there are, of course, many types of family law cases where they were never married. So you can, of course, have children out of wedlock, which is called a paternity action. Um, there are cases um, where they were already divorced. And now we have, like I said, child support that's owed, um, child custody issues at hand, children. It, it, can, it can really go all sorts of different directions. Um, not uncommon to have restraining orders that are existing in the world of these folks in this area and in this context. So I've taken on through VLS several different divorces, um, a paternity case. And actually, I'll get into it later a little bit more, but um, I ended up, because I do, I guess, so much work with VLS that I was appointed by the probate and family court by a judge who knew that I do this type of work to quickly re uh, represent an active service member because his wife filed for divorce. Um, we have a, a rule that you we have an automatic stay if you're, of course, serving our country and, and dealing with very important things overseas. So I briefly represented his interests just to formally obtain this, this day. And that was a direct result of my of volunteering through VLS, doing some of these panels um, where the court needed somebody to step in quickly on a voluntary basis, of course, um, to represent him, make sure that the stay was obtained and I was happy to do so. So hope that helps. That That is helpful. And I mean, it's, it's great to see the connection between your day-to-day -day work and the VLS and how you're able to make that connection and use that experience. Thank you so much, Derek, for sharing. You're welcome. Um, Stephanie, I have the same question for you. Um, similarly to Jared, what motivated you to help veterans through pro bono legal services and how does your pro bono work relate to your private practice? Uh, my family growing up was army based and I had written my law review article on uh, the impact of civilians returning into our society after having been in enlisted in transitioning back into the civilian 
system uh, and how I felt like there are some really significant disparities there. Uh, perhaps we were putting soldiers who had experienced a whole litany of things and putting them back within our civilian system without providing them the appropriate support they needed. Uh, and honestly, if it had been a perfect world, I think I probably would have tried to join the JAG force, but I am diabetic and that is not a great fit. So uh, I went civil litigation, but always had an interest in returning back to the veteran world. But my direct connection is through the, uh, the VLS co-director or co-executive director. So Sarah Roxburgh, uh, I graduated with Sarah um, when the rest of us were trying to find jobs to like get through the 2008 uh, recession. She chose to join VLS around that time and has always made an impact on me. I mean, she made such a terrific choice. And since I can recall, she's been leading it. So I had committed to myself that when I was in a position in my career to track VLS down, I would. Uh, and by and through that, I was able to connect with Angie. Uh, so it's been awesome. It's been probably one of the most fulfilling parts of my day-to-day -day practice. Um, I mostly live in the civil litigation realm, uh, but my work with VLS has been agency-based, so social security, unemployment. Uh, it's a lot of helping service members navigate benefits, which is not something I necessarily knew how to do, but they just really needed some help uh, figuring it out, someone to dig in and actually look at the documents with them and just assist them. Uh, and it's, it's been enjoyable. It's been very enjoyable. Excellent. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that and mentioning Sarah and Anna, great leaders of the VLS. Um, Angie, I'm going to turn it back to you. Um, could you speak a little bit as to whether attorneys need to have experience or expertise in a certain area in order to be able to volunteer as a pro bono attorney for the VLS? And also, can you talk a little bit about whether or not the VLS offers training in, for volunteers? Sure, um, this is a great question because um, it's some of the stuff, some of the questions that we always get when we're trying to do some outreach. And um, I always like to be transparent and sort of explain to people how it works so they don't, um, they're not scared. Uh, that working with veterans is anything different or anything harder than it might be to work with anybody else. Um, there are people just like us. They just We just might need to have a little bit of a uh, getting used to um, sort of speaking the same language or understanding the culture, right? Um, that said, uh, when it comes to areas of law, there are areas that are really specialized uh, uh, for which we need people like Jared. Uh, for family law, a lot of people are um, just not comfortable jumping in to try and do something in family law. And, um, and I, I, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, just like, for example, immigration, which we don't do, but uh, we, we do from time to time when we have um, people that became immigrants uh, through joining the military. Very few cases. But for the most part, in, a, in an area like, say, for example, immigration, the law changes a lot. And so you wouldn't want to just kind of just be, you know, flailing about. We, we try to customize the work that we give to each firm or each attorney um, based on their interests, their comfort level. There are law firms that just absolutely would not, not be able to ever help us with the consumer debt matter because of their client base. Um, and there are law firms that, um, that have a lot of people that do civil litigation in other areas, but where their attorneys feel comfortable 
helping in a limited assistance capacity. We welcome limited assistance rep representation. Our, our clients need an attorney uh, for a minute or for the entire time. It, everything is more than what they have, right? So we, we'll customize it, we'll, we'll be flexible, we'll always support you along the way. Um, in terms of training, we, as a very small organization, it's basically about 10 of us. I don't think we said that, but when I mentioned there was three staff attorneys and then there's two co-executive directors and a few other, others of us. So there's about 10 or 11 of us and um, we can't really provide uh, specific trainings on a consistent basis on areas of law. Um, but there are many existing trainings out there that are available online that we trust and that we feel are helpful and, and useful. And so usually what we'll do is we will recommend those trainings. We'll even provide links to the ones that are our favorites. Like if you wanna try and dig into um, a veteran's military personnel file to look through the entire record and understand their story to see if it looks like they got a general discharge for the wrong reasons. Um, we'll give you all the trainings that we take ourselves. We'll give you all those links and we'll let you take your time to get to sort of understand a little bit of the lingo and sort of what you're looking for. And then we'll give you that file. And you don't have to represent the, the veteran necessarily, but you can do the review of the file. We have a couple of law firms that take on those, those matters for us. And then at the end, they'll decide if they, have, if, if, if they recommend that that matter be pursued they can then determine whether they have the capacity to continue to work on it with our support and actually file it, or if they need to just have the matter end there and either is fine with us. So um, we will provide mentorship and training and the expertise that we have in the office um, will always be available as well as some of our pro bono attorneys who have indicated to us that they would be happy to mentor associates even if they're in a different law firm. Sounds great. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of support that's offered through the VLS, and there's a lot of options as to how involved the volunteer wants to be and, and what they'd like to take on, which is um, great to have that option. Jared and Stephanie, turning back to you quickly, um, and, and you guys have kind of shared on this a little bit already, but just going a step um, further, if you don't mind sharing or um, without sharing any identifying information, obviously, but if you could share a specific example of a VLS case that you've handled or worked on um, in the past and, you know, talk a little about the impact that the case, that your work had on the veteran, if you know, and maybe also the impact that that particular case might have had on you being able to work on that and assist a veteran. Um, why don't we start with Stephanie with this one? Uh, sure. I, I have a, I have a case in mind as I'm sure we all do. Um, but I will say in our day to day, uh, and I'm in active litigation, which is often I feel unnecessarily contentious, but that's my opinion. Um, you know, we don't, we don't see the expressions of kindness and civility that we may like to see uh, more often. And uh, additionally, I have kind of forgotten the words, thank you. Um, I hadn't heard them in a long time. And I was able to help someone through an unemployment matter. Uh, he, we were able to reach a settlement with his employer. I represented him through an unemployment hearing. 
which as his unemployment hearings were progressing, things were escalating on a personal level. For example, his vehicle was being repossessed and his home was in transition uh, because there was no money. There was no money. I mean, it, it made sense. But what started as uh, could you help this gentleman with this unemployment matter did evolve to need somewhat emergent response. <laughs> um, and we were able to navigate through all that. But really the most important thing was at the end of it, he said, thank you. Um, and it had mattered. He had a home he could go to uh, that he felt secure in and he could get his feet back in place under him. He was able to resecure his vehicle. And I in turn was able to re-refer him back to VLS to help find a new place of employment. I do not know the outcome of that, but I knew VLS had systems in place to assist with that sort of um, next step and was able to make it that way. Um, but I will share with you that I had not ever represented anyone through unemployment determinations and hearings, uh, especially ones that were opposed and contentious. So, but when I was assigned, the first day of the hearing had already taken place. I had obviously not been part of that testimony and needed to take into, first of all, there was not a, there's not a transcript available. There's not, there's like exhibits people are referencing. I've never seen them. Um, <laughs> the unemployment <laughs> council is leading a charge I'm not familiar with. Uh, and I will tell you that I put an objection on the record and there was like silence um, and, the, and the employer was represented by counsel and the unemployment court was like, uh, we don't, we don't do that here. <laughs> we do, we don't object. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, just please note, note my objection. And on we went. So that was embarrassing, but it was fine. It was fine. And it didn't end up mattering. And um, it's also kind of funny that it happened because I was so ready to just like preserve the record any way I needed. Uh, and it ended up being a non-issue at all. But all that to say, within the scope of what we do, um, I have made mistakes like that and it has still ended up being a net positive and positive income for the, or an output for the client. That's awesome. Um, Jared, same question to you. Yeah, my most recent uh, experience was far and away my favorite and probably will end up being the, my favorite even if I if not if when Angie I continue to volunteer through VLS for years <laughs> not if uh, it'll probably never be beaten uh, and so the timing's good for this panel um, I was contacted by Angie and VLS to help represent a uh, very decorated veteran uh, he was a uh, honorably discharged sergeant in the army did many many things for our country um, all the right ways and was going through an immediate need um, because his wife had who had her own illness uh, had gone and obtained uh, on now proven to be faulty grounds a restraining order against him, which included his young son. Um, so he was prohibited from seeing or even speaking with his son and that restraining order also kicked him out of his home and a home that he owned and owned before the marriage and only purchased it with the benefits of the GI bill, uh, you know, all the things that he was able to do getting out of the service. Um, and so he was now homeless, couldn't see his son, and she filed for divorce against him. So the whole the holy trinity in my world of bad things that could happen to someone, um, all of which was really obtained on, on, on false grounds, misrepresentations. Um, so fast forward uh, nearly a year, um, we were able to disprove the restraining order. Um, the things that she put in her affidavit were disproven. We had an evidentiary hearing on that front. Restraining order was terminated. 
And the divorce judge was so aggrieved, justifiably so, at how this had come across her uh, desk at the courthouse that she, on her own, with our urging, um, gave our client at the time, initially, sole legal custody and physical custody of their son while we were figuring out the rest, um, ordered her to leave the house and him to return, um, and really righted the wrong. And that day, I remember that day um, when the local police helped him return, helped remove her from the home, helped reunite him with his son. Um, the the joy, um, the relief, put it that way, uh, that he that he exhibited. Uh, I'll always remember that. And that was only the temporary sort of initial like fighting back moment. Uh, we then went on. Um, she started to no-show the divorce hearings because she was uh, not pleased. Uh, and so she did not wish to participate and ultimately did participate. Um, and the um, divorce was finalized on the same grounds. He ended up divorced back in his home um, with full custody of his son. Um, and, and that has been one of the most redeeming aspects of my career. One other thing was that at the time that he was kicked out of the house, he was definitely homeless, no doubt about it. He had to, and Angie, you probably see this more than I, he had to barter. Um, he was working at a campground in exchange for them allowing him to sleep in a tent. I mean, it's as basic as it is. Um, and it's really sad to me. And I said, the minute I heard all these facts, forget about it. I'll put in as many hours as I need to. Um, I, I, and we did. We put in a lot of hours over a lot of hearings. Um, and it, no doubt in my mind, um, he was worthy of it. Um, and exactly what Stephanie said, also being in a private law firm with private clients, usually the clients with financial well-being, it is rare for us to be acknowledged. It's rare for us to at least see, uh, you know, real, true um, appreciation. Mm -hmm. um, and this was so different in that regard. Um, it, and that's for any client that I've assisted through VLS. You, you can go into a VLS case and feel like you did a little bit of help and they are over the moon happy and over the moon appreciative, which really ends up um, lasting for, for us. What he didn't know this, and last thing I'll say, the timing of that case was also nice because I remember the day before that hearing where we ended up finalizing his full custody, his divorce and getting him back in his home. Um, we had a particularly bad day in a different case. Um, and it, I went home that night kind of down and then fast forward 24 hours and I was right back up uh, feeling so good about me helping people and, and him being appreciated, that it really was exactly what I needed in that moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, him and I have said to each other, he thanked me, but I thanked him. Uh, it was my honor to do that for him at that time. Um, and uh, and uh, Angie's raising her hand. So I'll stop, I'll stop talking. I could talk about this forever. Like I really is one of those things in my career that I know I'll look back on and um, and I probably will end up staying in touch with him and he knows where to find me. He has my cell phone number and I would pick up and I would do anything that that guy ever needed, regardless of if it was legal advice or not. Um, truly a really great example of how you can help and how it can really last. Um, and, uh, and that's it. I mean, this is, we could keep going. <laughs> Angie, did you want to add to what Jared, the story Jared is sharing on? Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, when you emailed me to give me the news about this, the resolution of this case, I was having a particularly bad day. And, and then I remember I replied by saying, who's cutting onions? Because I was just like, this, this is why it all, it the bad things don't matter and why, why we're here. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, I just, 
want to reiterate what both of you, um, Stephanie and Jared, have said about you know just the the gratitude. Um, I sometimes just speak with a client for an hour and give them some advice, and it's like there's like will to live now. I, you just feel like imposter syndrome right away, you know. But then it's like it keeps happening, and it's just you know, it's it's worth it. Um, the they, for the most part, do their homework because they are very disciplined. And so you ask them what you need and they give it to you and they're just very grateful and they appreciate um, that we're working with limited resources, but we're doing it because we want to honor them. I, I was, to, sorry, go ahead. Um, so I, was, I was just going to jump off what Angie said in terms of doing their homework. I mean, I a couple of the individuals that I'm working with now reside in a, a group home, a legal a veteran's home or a transition home, uh, and they don't even have access consistently to ways to communicate. And they go out of their way if you say, could you send me an updated copy of your medical records? I honestly don't even know how they're able to do it so fast. But if you ask for something, they prioritize the response. Uh, in every situation I've had, they've prioritized the response. There are a couple of times where we, we need assistance contacting people. But um, I've been really impressed by the, the it's, as if they're a paying client with the service, right? They, they are engaged and they are working cooperatively towards the resolution. Excellent, thank you both for sharing. I thought those were two great examples. It means Stephanie, you sharing, you know, jumping into an area that you weren't familiar with. And, um, you know, Jared, you, you were familiar, but still the outcome, it, it was, you know, it was a little challenging and you both persevered and obviously we had such great impact on the veterans involved. Um, Angie, turning back to you and, and building on what Jared and Stephanie has shared. Um, now, we know that the VLS sometimes collects information after the cases have been closed. Um, from your experience and from the information you've gathered, what type, what are some of the responses that you get from veterans where their cases have been handled by volunteers and what's, some, what's the feedback that you often get? from these veterans? Yeah, um, so aside from just their, their gratitude and they're just you know, feeling like you've definitely made a difference, um, I'll say that there's just, I don't know, it's, they're always in awe that these people are willing to do this work for, for, no, you know, for, fee, for no fee, for, that they can actually have somebody represent them zealously without charging them and without making their situation harder. Um, and I have a couple of quotes that I'd like to share because I think that it's it's illustrates it better than me trying to paraphrase. Um, there's one that uh, where the um, the client who was represented by a pro bono attorney said, "I don't know if you could have helped any veteran more than you helped me. Hard for me to believe it just turned our life around. We felt so secure and comfortable." Another one said, "She, the volunteer attorney, took a dreaded situation and made it totally bearable." I couldn't ask for a more perfect way for this to be handled. And then I have a couple of quotes from the uh, client that Jared was talking about, because we just spoke with him the other day. And he said, uh, when we asked about how he was treated by uh, Jared and um, his colleague that was also uh, working on the case, um, he said that they showed great respect and reverence for my service. It almost seemed like they were honored to be helping me out. And then regarding uh, when we requested 
what he would tell um, all of our funders who are just, you know, people or organizations that want to give to us to help us do our work. He said, um, this is his message, message to all of our supporters. The support they've given has helped at least this veteran live a better life. And I thank them all. I salute them all. Wow. Amazing. Um, very touching. And I think it, it goes to what you've said, just the level of appreciation, something that a lot of us in private practice, we don't see on a, a regular basis. And it it does make it all worthwhile. Um, Jared and Stephanie, turning back to you again, if you could share with our audience um, you know, how pro bono cases that you've handled um, and are approved within your firm, like what's the process and um, what benefits there might be for firms to take on pro bono cases aside from the sense of giving back to the broader community? And, and I'm sorry, it's, this is a multifaceted question. Um, and, you know, helping law firms to see the value in being added as, you know, a partner in the work that the VLS does. Um, Jared, if you wanna start us off. Yeah, sure. So I have worked for a couple different firms in my career and I volunteered at VLS at these different firms and every firm do does things differently. I think we all sort of independently understand that. Um, I've worked at a firm that was totally centralized with this. They had a pro bono subcommittee. There was a, a partner who chaired that subcommittee and everything was expected to run through that chair. It makes total sense and from a hierarchy perspective. Um, and if that's your type of firm, then obviously I would encourage you definitely if you're an associate to reach up that ladder internally first, get the clearance or the approval that you need to take this on and then make that connection to VLS, uh, maybe copying the uh, person in charge so that they're aware that you're doing this because they should be and they need to be. Um, and that you that VLS knows that they are um, working the correct way through the firm so that they are satisfied and comfortable too. Um, and my current firm, we don't have a formal subcommittee like that. So it's a little bit more decentralized where that's why Angie goes directly to me. That's also in part because she's known me for years, but I think even if we, who knows, if we ever someday in the future, I'd like to see uh, an actual committee. But my point is that if you're more at a firm like that, certainly continue to take the ball and run with it. Um, still, ask up the chain as appropriate as it needs to be, uh, depending on your specific situation and your title and your experience. Um, but in, and, and I know and speak, not for speaking for Angie, but uh, they, as long as they know that they're communicating with you the right way, um, uh, then they're gonna be pleased whichever way it may be. And, sh and so um, as far as what, how the firm can sort of run with that and, and what the value gain is, there's absolutely, there's value gain both from the firm's perspective and from the attorney's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say from the firm perspective, as a partner of Ruben and Rudman, I wanna see Ruben and Rudman out there in the legal world in greater Boston doing great things. And it can be in a whole host of different things. It could be um, being involved in the BBA. It could be being a chair in a steering committee. It could be anything. It could be taking on um, any type of uh, charitable work, uh, volunteer work. It could be anything. It really can be anything. Um, VLS is obviously something that is uh, clearly if you're doing something through VLS, you're doing something for the, for a tremendous good. And that, that good needs to be and deserves to be shared. And that's where I'm going with this is I think the value add for any firm is that if you're 
and uh, attorneys are doing good things out there. Um, it you should be proud of that, and you should spread that word. There should be social media sharing. There should be uh, something on the your website that promotes this, that shows that we attorneys aren't just out there grinding for profit. We 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 believe that there are other ways that we can use our um, licenses to practice law in other areas. And the value add is that you're getting good and PR should not be thought of in that negative way. It's not, it's, it's, there is justifiably good PR sometimes. And this would be one of them where you should share it. And I know VLS wants us to share it, not only because it highlights the, the, the work that you put in on a volunteer basis, but it also as an end around shares the organization that you're assisting and the voices of the people that you're assisting. Um, so it's from a firm perspective, to me, it's a no brainer. If you're a, a young and or and or up and coming attorney looking to get yourself out there and which I was and which I still am and forever will be, this is also a value add as an attorney, because you want to grow your bio. Um, and I always say to people like I do a lot of public speaking about growing a book of business and how do you do, how do you make yourself uniquely independent and how do you make yourself how do you get yourself out there from an experience perspective to market yourself and I always use volunteering as one of those things because it's not just joining the BBA and joining the MBA and showing up at a meeting once a month um, getting your name out there um, and promoting yourself you are your own greatest champion is influential in how you develop who you are as an attorney and how you're known reputationally within the Massachusetts bar. So I'm speaking a lot about this, but I'm passionate about it. So when you volunteer, no one's going to talk about it unless you do. <laughs> so um, you need to put, make sure that your firm puts it on your bio, make sure that maybe they do a social media blast on LinkedIn or whatever um, and champion that you're putting in all this extra time, especially if you're an associate, you're expected to meet your hours. They don't really care what you're doing. So you're actually end up working more because you're putting in extra hours on top of your billable hours. So you are hustling and you're working hard and you deserve to have that hard work publicized. So take that ball and run with it. So you end up feeling good inside because you helped a veteran, which is genuine and absolute. It's not one or the other. You did something good for yourself. You should feel good about it. And then you also can have a professional gain out of it on the back end by spreading that word. Um, and I, Last thing is um, I talked about earlier about how I got a call from the probate and family court because they were looking for someone that knows what they're doing to represent an active service member. And they said, hey, can attorneys family take this on? That's an example of how volunteering can end up influencing your reputation and your bar, whatever you do, district court, superior work, whatever, um, because now you can cultivate that you're a known commodity in whatever specialty area you are and eventually years later, it takes time to build that, um, you'll start to get calls and people will start to know that you do this. And that, so that ends up building your book and your value as an attorney out there in our, in our bar. So, so many different ways to really benefit from this and every uh, rising tides raise all ships. Everybody will be better off for your volunteering, the veteran VLS, your law firm and you, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Darren. Stephanie, same questions. Sure. Uh, my current firm is the first firm I've worked at in my career that allocates a portion of the billable year to pro bono work. Uh, and that was a progressive sign, which is not something that should be progressive, but it was, and it's important to me. Uh, and it, it actually was something that I noticed and took into my evaluation when I was choosing where I was going to go. Uh, so if your firm has that, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, I think our firm allocates 50 hours to associates. Uh, with an encouragement to, to hit it, to, to use that. It's 
it's a good way to use some billable time. Um, we have a, maybe a mix between a structure and a not structure. So I do communicate directly with Angie and then I run the information through our pro bono team. Uh, and then I run a traditional complex check, open it like a new matter. And with Angie's permission, if I have an associate who is interested or uh, interested and able, not or, uh, I try to bring them in as well. Uh, for example, we have a young associate attorney here who is a veteran and he has found this to be deeply fulfilling and I want him as involved as he'd like to be. Um, I will say for young attorneys, especially it is hands-on which can be hard to find, uh, especially if you're in a larger firm. So inviting them to participate with me in the actual conversations, inviting them to take the first step at the paperwork, uh, and I mean, ensuring they have appropriate oversight, but inviting them to uh, perhaps take the lead if there was a hearing with you there is, it's a nice way to get out there and to get to be in court or wherever when those, unfortunately those opportunities can be somewhat limited. Uh, I will also say, you know, we've joked a little bit about the housing court objection <laughs> process, but uh, now I know that and I will not forget it. And so <laughs> to be completely honest, when I had another agency-based hearing come up shortly after that, I spent a significant amount of time running down the rules. So it was actually deeply beneficial to my own practice, and I probably should have been doing that anyway. But I thought, oh my goodness, what if the rules have changed? They're not, they're not, there's no objections in housing court, like I need, or uh, in employment court. So I need to, I need to find it out. So it, it's never a bad time to be expanding your skill set uh, and to get your associates and other attorneys involved. Just be mindful of how your firm does it and the best way. And if your firm is considering moving to a, a structure by which they do credit the pro bono hours, I can share that we've had a significant growth in our pro bono output since they uh, transitioned to, to that in our firm. Uh, people are less focused only on the bill output, and actually it hasn't really changed how many hours people are billing, it's just that in addition, now they're doing good things for the right reason, which is a positive output. Absolutely, and I can say that we have a similar structure here at, yeah. at um, Ropes where um, you know, we have a pro bono coordinator um, and you know, everything kind of trickles down and, um, pro bono hours does count towards your billable. So I think that's, it, it really does encourage you to get involved and because it what it says something when the firm or your employer is sponsoring and saying, you know, we want you to get out there and, and get involved. So I agree. Um, before I turn back over to Angie, I do have one question in the chat that I, I think piggybacks on the conversation we're having now. Um, and so in case we have attendees who are wondering if they have the time to do pro bono work with a VLS. Um, could the panelists or Angie, could you talk about limited assisted representation and how that works? And I can, if you hear I'll jump first um, on yeah. kind of duration of assignments. Uh, even though my greatest assignment has taken probably 10 to 15 hours total spread out over uh, a one to two month time period. And that was uh, the high end. Most of mine are, uh, and we're doing, we're doing full representation, but most of mine are limited to an initial meeting and then 
doing whatever is needed to complete the task. Now, minor agency-based, so it's a lot of submission and application and passing on the information, and that is a lighter lift. Uh, I certainly, Jared's experience with multiple hearings is a different end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. um, but there certainly is that smaller, it's really quite a light lift at my end. Yeah, I think uh, in the probate and family court, there is such a thing as a limit as, as signing a and entering a notice of appearance for one day only on a limited uh, representation basis. So you can, in my world, quickly hop in and hop out. And again, they they would be pleased with Like Angie said, they are absolutely it is true. They are pleased with any help that they can get. Um, and then I think so on the court side, you can do it, at least in my world. But even on the VLS side, I think Angie can speak to that they can curtail your involvement depending on your ability to hit it. Like if you volunteered, you know, I'm happy to speak with veteran John Doe for two hours and give a, you know, write a memo on what I would recommend or whatever. I'm sure that they would um, take it and be appreciative of it. Right. And I'm not. Yes. All right. Yeah. That's yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we do that often. Um, people will say, I'll give them a little uh, blurb about the matter. And an attorney might say, um, let me talk to them and see um, whether I can give them some advice or, or whether I can take it on. And, and you know, in some situations, I'll let that, because um, I know that for the most part, the attorneys can end up helping in some capacity. So I consider it sort of assigned. Um, and oftentimes what happens is um, the pro bono attorneys, many of the pro bono attorneys send the clients their own retainers in which they specify that they're only gonna do um, help with the pleadings and advice before a hearing or go to one hearing. And if we have to do a new retainer, we'll do a new retainer. Um, but, you know, on our end, you know, in the family law, in the, in the provident family law uh, court, and probably also in the housing court, I'm not sure, um, they have like those specific limited assistance representation, like, mm -hmm. you know, file an appearance just for this or just for that. But like Jared said, on our end, we will take all the help we can get, even if it's just a consultation, like a robust consultation. That's, you know, a limited service, but it's huge for the client. There was a veteran that came to my office for an hour. <clears throat> this was his only request. It wasn't even <clears throat> something that I was limiting. I wasn't limiting him. He was limiting me. Uh, maybe I had a, a sense of that he thought he was bothering me. He sat in my conference room. I printed out the blank forms that I knew the court would require of him. And I took out a legal pad and I wrote down, you know, these are what you're going to fill out. This is how much the filing fee is. Here's where you're going. The address. Sometimes they need to know that more than anything else, where to go. And he left happy as a you know, as a pig and you know what um because he felt appreciated and he knew where to go i'm guessing he went and did exactly that but all he needed was the direction and i pr i just printed out forms right which are on the court's website but they need they're sometimes of course they're in need for a reason they need that little little push in the right direction and that's and it was an hour of my time it was a, so that can you can absolutely be a value add in the littlest of forms sometimes yeah, and it, it sounds like, and I hope I didn't misunderstand, um, Stephanie and Angie, you can verify this. So if you had someone, let's say, you know, a, a first year associate wanted to volunteer with a VLS, they don't have much experience, whether it's family law or unemployment or whatever, 
would they be able to contact either Jared or Stephanie, or would you be able to put them in touch with someone or, um, you know, align them with someone who could kind of supervise or guide or that they could ask questions to? Does that sometimes happen when you have um, attorneys who volunteer who might not have much experience in the area? Yes, it sometimes happens. There's attorneys. Um, this is a, this is not a feature that is mandatory to ask on our database. So it's one of those things that little by little I'm figuring out who's willing to do it. I do have some attorneys that where their contact form on my database says that they are happy to mentor uh, a newer volunteer. And so for the ones that I have it, I can I can use those. Uh, otherwise, if I have a good relationship with a volunteer who's who is an expert in an area, I I wouldn't mind asking and seeing if they're, if they're able to help. Another thing that I'm working on um, potentially uh, having planning, executing whatever you want to call it with one of our partner law firms is they have um, a couple of attorneys there who are experts in an area that most people in the law firm don't do. They're like the one or two that do one person that does family law. Maybe they have a couple of associates that help out, but mostly there isn't a family law department. And then there's another attorney, another partner there who, who knows criminal law. We don't do criminal law, but we do have some attorneys represent uh, veterans with Corey sealing and expungement. And also we have had uh, we have, from time to time, we defend 209A, so abuse prevention orders. We seek them or defend them. Um, we represent the veteran, whether they're the custodial or the non-custodial parent of a child or whether they're the one seeking the restraining or not. Um, and so those are like, they kind of touch on the criminal justice system. So um, in, with that law firm, what we're in talks to do is have them do a training for associates interested in potentially taking even a, a small amount or like a limited um, uh, a limited scope representation right. of a client. And so they will do, maybe that, that attorney will potentially be able to do a family law training for associates in the law firm that they can volunteer and she'll mentor them. So I think that if that goes well, I'm gonna be trying to maybe look into expanding that idea in other places. Sounds good. Um, I don't know, Jared, do you want to add anything to, to that or <laughs> I don't I, to on I, no, 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 you don't. I just, my natural tendency is to talk too much. So I think I've covered it all. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a little time. So all right. That's good. <laughs> okay, Be careful so what you wish okay. for. No. <laughs> um, so Angie, just continuing on, you know, if, if a law firm based on attending today's webinar or an attorney, wanted to get involved um, with VLS pro bono work, what should they expect and, and what should they do? Um, okay, so what they should first do is if, if, if you're an attorney at a law firm and you don't know if your law firm is one of our partners already, pro bono partners, um, maybe try and find out or you can even reach out to me. I'm gonna put my information in the chat or maybe somebody else can. Uh, maybe Noah can put my email address on there. Um, you can reach out to me and I can check our database to see if your law firm already does work with us. And if I already have a person that I'm supposed to be connecting with, and then we'll go back and forth like that. 
uh, if you happen to know what your system is uh, because you've done other pro bono work and you know who you're supposed to contact in your law firm, I recommend that you go that route and suggest that they um, connect with me about it. Um, if you are a solo practitioner or an in-house attorney or an attorney that is uh, in transition um, professionally or whatever it is, you're not in a large law firm with a pro bono counsel or pro bono committee. Um, you can come directly to me on that email that was just put in the chat. Um, email me there. And in the situations where you're doing this on your own time, um, like as a solo practitioner or in-house counsel, I will send you a questionnaire that you fill out and it helps us um, determine what areas of law you might be interested in helping out with or you might be open to even for us to discuss how many hours you could dedicate in a week or in a month to cases or how many cases at a time you could take whether that that form actually asks whether you're willing to mentor someone um so we'll do that questionnaire and then um and then we'll schedule after you've sent me the questionnaire we'll schedule a call we get to know each other we get to just see if if it's a good fit if there's areas of work that we do that might be a good fit for you or, or that you might feel comfortable getting your feet wet with. Um, I mean, when it comes to veteran specific cases, many people have never done those. Um, and we all sort of figure it out. It's figure outable. Um, so yeah. <laughs> we, can, uh, we can always work with you to do those. And if you wanna do something different, something challenging. Um, uh, uh, something that happened recently with um, a veteran who is an attorney at a law firm that happens to be one of our partners. Um, he reached out to me directly and his law firm doesn't do really much in a couple of areas of law that he had experience doing clinic work during law school. And so it was very helpful that he reached out to me first because I might not have known that there's someone there that would be willing to take on a family law matter, even if it's just for one hearing or not, you know, that this is someone that's intrepid and that feels brave and, and it's fresh in their mind because they just started as a new associate. So they're going to have to go through the process, obviously, with the law firm, with the pro bono counsel and coordinators. But it allows me to add to that law firm's areas where I can reach out to them, a couple of areas of law that I didn't think that they did. So um, you know, it's something yeah. that, um, sorry, Angie, I just stepped on your toes. So the oh, virtual, yeah. it's the virtual part of this thing. Um, something that something that Stephanie said actually rang a bell, and she's absolutely right, which is the, this is a great uh, volunteering is a great way to get specific actual experience, maybe if it's courtroom experience or whatnot, because um, you can just get your feet wet and launch right into it. Um, there was a, one of the cases that I assisted VLS with a few years ago, it wasn't the most recent one that we've been talking about for a while. I asked an associate of mine to fill in for a very, you know, not earth shattering type of a hearing. And I remember she said to me, she thought she did okay. You know, she called me after. I thought I did okay. You know, I could have done this. I could have done that. But she's like, but the client was over, like so happy and so appreciative. So you can feel like you're, you you kind of like that you didn't do your best because we all are our own worst critics sometimes. And, but it doesn't matter to a veteran. They're just so appreciative to have anybody in their corner. Um, so it is a really good opportunity because for me, it was practice, you know, repetition makes comfort. So the more I do something, the more uh, I, I don't sweat it, the more I'm not nervous about it and in, in speaking and practicing in front of 
judges is one of those things. The more you do it, you just it just becomes second nature. And that's a, a great way to get in there where the I don't want to say the the expectations are low because they're not. It's that you don't you you don't have a client breathing down your neck. They are just so happy to have you standing next to them. Forget about anything else that happens. Um, mm -hmm. So great point by Stephanie. And the other thing I, I wanted to say was don't be afraid to mention that you are a pro bono attorney representing the client through VLS because in my experience at the probate family court, judges will treat you a little bit nicer. Um, because if, if I come in as a private attorney, yada, 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 you know, it's one thing and they usually treat me okay. But if, if you can slide in there um, that, you know, your honor, it's, and I used to say this and it's again, true, but helpful to the client. It's my honor to represent John Doe or Jane Doe here today. It's my honor to be, uh, to be um, volunteering my time through the Veterans Legal, and I will say VLS, through the Veterans Legal Services to represent, you know, Ms. Doe here today. Um, if you slide that in off the top, they look at the case a little bit differently. One, I wouldn't be putting my name on the line, at least I wouldn't, for a veteran that I didn't think was worthy of it. So I, um, and, and VLS probably wouldn't send me a case if it was somebody that was a little bit uh, unworthy of the, of the, um, volunteerism either and and number two so you're putting your name out there and a judge usually they're human they're going to appreciate that number two they're going to realize that this person who we need and want to be sympathetic to the judge isn't you know you know obtaining private counsel through a nice law firm and you know there are these optics do matter so it's important to make that clear and i also think it helps the case helps the client and i think it helps you maybe the they don't ask as many um, critical questions of you during your presentation in front of the judge. Maybe they throw you a bone. Maybe they throw your client a bone when there has to be a tiebreaker because what they're doing, like every other judge, it's not specific to family law. They're making credibility calls every day in their courtroom. Who should I believe? Who should I not believe? And if a, a good lawyer like yourself, if you're out there doing this, is putting their neck on the line, they might give your and you and your client a, a, an extra look. So it's, it, you're, you're, using that to your advantage, which is the art of being a good lawyer and a good advocate. So don't be afraid to, and don't shy away from mentioning that you're there on a pro bono basis and plug VLS when you do it. That's great, great advice. It's true because like you said, if they're if they're going to court and saying that they can't afford child support and they have an attorney yeah. from this fancy law firm. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna <laughs> be, be like, like wait, the... what happened here? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have to make it very clear, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good point. Um, well, Jared, I, I think you kind of started us off on my last question, which was just kind of closing remarks, thoughts that you guys want to share with, you know, any attorney or law firm that might be tuned in and wondering, should I get involved? How do I get involved? Do I want to make that leap? And kind of, you know, what would you say to those individuals that are um, listening in on the webinar today? Yeah, Nisha, I, I, I think, think Jared, you've kind of started us off there, so. Yeah, thanks, Anisha. I, I think so. When in doubt, do it. Um, and it, don't you don't have to overextend yourself. So it doesn't need to be burdensome. If you only have a few hours a month, then make that known. Be honest with VLS. Don't take on something that you can't follow through on. <clears throat> um, and and try it. Maybe start a little slow. Take on. I mean, the first case I did through VLS wasn't the biggest, wasn't the longest, and but it used to, you know, take baby steps there because I think you will quickly realize that it is absolutely worth your time um, and it is worth the effort. 
and I would encourage you to do so. Not only if you feel compelled morally to give back to um, veterans that are worthy of your time and your expertise and your help, um, but it'll also end up, um, I think, um, positively affecting not only the veteran, but yourself. And again, it can be a good server for sharing the good that you're doing and the good that your firm is doing. So when in doubt, do it. Um, I also said last year um, when we had a VLS program through the BBA, and I'll say it again here, um, my email, I think, is you can easily find me um, through Ruben and Redmond's website. Please feel free to reach out at any time if you have questions about how it's gone for me or any tips or any advice, and or Angie can put you in touch with me. Uh, my email inbox is open to um, helping anybody or answering any questions that anybody would have, because if, if any of us can tip the scales to get you to volunteer, <clears throat> that's all that matters. Um, I'm about to um, sneeze. So please do. Um, and I'm happy to speak with any of you. And I uh, appreciate you all joining us and appreciate being invited to, to speak here. Um, it is one of the things of my career that I'm proud of, most proud of. And uh, maybe that's the best plug you can give. Thank you so much, Jared. Stephanie? Um, same. You can always feel free to drop me an email about questions. I will say that uh, if Angie reaches out, uh, she always starts her conversation with, do you have time to take on? So it invites the conversation as the, the needs are unfolding. Um, I have had to say once or twice, I, I don't, but I have an associate that I can help that I can commit to overseeing them. Uh, but, you know, of course we don't want someone to not get the representation they need. So if you were to, to join the panel and not be able to do X, Y, or Z, um, it's very easy to communicate with Angie uh, and just uh, kind of keep the line of communication open about the need and what you can do. Um, this, is, it, this is humanizing, um, it's fulfilling, and it is a population that, that uh, needs assistance navigating day-to-day -day things. Uh, that's honestly, much like Jared said, I spend some of my time navigating websites that seemed difficult for the general population to navigate despite it being public needs. So that is a different conversation for a different day. Should not probably be so hard to navigate and figure out how to upload social security documents, but <laughs> so here we are. Um, so it, just having the intention to assist and make a difference uh, can sometimes be all you need. Uh, the, the, sorry, one other thing. One other piece that Angie brought up and might be helpful in conversations with your firm or if you are um, solo or trying to assess a business deed is the liability insurance piece that Angie mentioned. Um, you don't need to worry about the risk exposure to yourself <laughs> unless you're far outside the bounds of something, I guess. Um, but that level of protection can also be a comfort to some people who may be worried. Great, thank you. Um, Angie? Um, well, I think they've, they've spoken so kindly and so nicely about this and their message to attorneys that I would just want to reiterate. Um, and we're very flexible. I think I'm going to take the opportunity to, because um, some of the questions that are on our Q&A right now, yeah, and uh, I, a little bit touch upon yeah. um, this kind of like, like what I want to leave you with. Mm -hmm. um, no, um, so there's an anonymous re uh, question regarding um, the, the, the commitment and any expectations. Um, you know, obviously we'd love for anybody who signs up with us to be available, to be active, taking a case when, when I approach you. Um, I don't approach everybody all the time. Um, 
So, you know, we said at the beginning that there is about 255 people, uh, attorneys in our pro bono panel. That's the total number. Not everybody is actively taking cases all the time. So I'm constantly kind of like sort of sorting through uh, the different areas of law and the different types of um, active attorneys or active law firms. And so some people go for a while without taking a case or they can't. Um, we respect everybody's time and we know that everybody's busy and that this is volunteering. Um, so the commitment is to um, be open to taking a case um, and or more <laughs> and to be open with us in terms of the trust to, to tell me that you're not able, like Stephanie mentioned, she's had to do. Um, or that she had to, you know, supervise an associate instead of taking it herself. Just um, commit to being honest and being genuinely here for the right reasons, and uh, we'll work with you. Um, there isn't a minimum amount of time that you're supposed to uh, to spend or a maximum, and there isn't a minimum amount of cases per year. Um, but I would love for people to that who sign up to remain active as as long as they can, and to um, and even in, and if I don't reach out to you for a long period of time and you would like to help a veteran and you think maybe I forgot you, I probably didn't, but please feel free to nudge me. I mean, I'm always happy to hear from people that wanna take cases. Um, with regards to, uh, we have a couple of comments from folks who are law students at the time. And one of them, Matthew, um, looks like you were recently separated from active duty. So thank you so much uh, for, for serving and for now wanting to give back. Um, we have summer internships, and we also have uh, clinic placements that we work with some law schools during the year. Um, some Northeastern law students can also do co-ops with us. And um, we're actually heading over to Suffolk Law School this afternoon for their pro bono fair uh, with the BBA. So if you go, you'll see me there. Um, if not, you can always email me as well because I can tell you all about our internships or put you in touch with uh, our senior staff attorney, Eve Elliott, who oftentimes does the, uh, the internship interviewing and hiring. Um, so thank you for that. We, we always, we love having law students help out. So reach out to us. And no, we are not able to assist all the veterans that seek assistance. Unfortunately, as a small nonprofit, um, with uh, mostly uh, some state funding and a lot of different grant funding that we're very, very appreciative for, we are still not able to uh, assist every single veteran that comes our way um, for a variety of reasons, um, not just uh, our, our resources. At, uh, currently, I think we are at about serving approximately seven to 700 and plus, 750, 700, I don't know exactly the number, uh, veterans per year, but we are uh, working uh, through a strategic plan that was implemented recently uh, where we uh, intend to, uh, plan to um, be able to serve 900 veterans by 2023, um, I believe 1500 by 2025, something like that. And I apologize to my directors if uh, I got the numbers wrong, but it's, it's, it's very, uh, lofty goals, but I think that we're going to be able to do it, especially if all of you who came to here today uh, sign up and spread the word. And uh, I was just going to add in, in, Angie, I don't know if you want to talk about some of the expansion. I mean, the clinic that was opened in Brockton, I mean, the, the VLS is doing a 
a lot of work in local communities and, and areas that needs the support. So um, yeah. we can't reach everyone, but we are doing our best to mm -hmm. try to reach as many as we can, so. Yes, definitely. And um, there was a one last question that came in um, that talks about geographic areas in the state where we might need more help. Um, we do, we, we expanded during the pandemic, I think it was, um, I don't know what anything is with regards to years because I started here eight weeks before the pandemic hit us. So I came to the office for a couple months and then I went to live at home and today I'm in the office, but um, <laughs> it's just been, I think sometime at the beginning of when I, when I joined VLS, um, we expanded to sort of cover the entire state more broadly than we had before. Um, and so we represent veterans who live all over Massachusetts. It's not always as easy to be able to provide assistance to somebody in Western Mass, right. even, even at times Central or really, really South or Cape and Islands. Um, right now, I'm really, really hoping to get more pro bono attorneys signed up from Central and Western Mass. I would love to have um, a good sort of panel of attorneys in the Worcester area and the Springfield area that, that could kind of travel in those regions um, and help our, uh, our clients there. So if you know anybody, or if you are that anybody, please sign up. That's great. Well, thank you so much. There are no more, no other questions in our um, Q and A. So I'm okay with ending with ending it early. If yeah, I, I think no more questions. Did, yeah, I think we did really good for time. I want to thank you, Jared, Stephanie, and Angie. Thank you to the Boston Bar Association. Thank you to VLS um, for your time today and for the work that the VLS does and all of you for your volunteerism and giving back to a group of people that sometimes, unfortunately, they're not recognized and their service goes unrecognized. So thank you all so much. And thank you to all our attendants or attendees rather, who took the time to listen in. And I hope after today's program, you will seriously consider getting involved in the VLS. Um, as Angie mentioned, there's a lot of different areas that you can get involved with and whether you think you're an expert or not, um, you'd be surprised at how just taking that first step, you might be surprised at how much you'll learn right away or how much you might actually know. Um, so, and, and if you've ever done, you know, like housing advocacy work, there, there's a lot of that need also with the VLS. So you can transfer some of those skills over to some of the volunteer opportunities that's available through the VLS. So thank you all for your time today. Um, thank you, Anisha, for moderating. You uh, did yeah. a wonderful job. Thank you us all. all organized. <laughs> thank job. you, Noah. Bye, and um, I think the BBH is Noah back on. I'm gonna. I was gonna say Noah, you'll tell them about the link and that you'll circulate the link after. Yes, yes. Okay. Hi everyone again. Thank you all so much for attending. And then as Anissa's pointing out, I will follow up via email with link to the recording as well as to be able to access as well going forward. And I can also follow up with any supporting materials from VOS. And yeah, with that being said, unless anyone has anything else. I bid everyone a great rest of their afternoon. Again, thank you all so much for attending. Thank you to VOS, our attendees, and also our moderators for today and panelists. And have a great one, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye. See you later. Have a great day.
You too.